0: Left, trailing three, good protection. Pass the right coast. Oh, touchdown, Tampa Bay. Oh, Jay Howard, fire them in! It. What a play! We are Bucks Nation, SP Nation's team blog for your Super Bowl Fifty Five champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Come fan with us at bucksnation.com. Season 3, Episode 1, kicks off now. Happy New Year Bucks fans, the 2021 season is officially upon us and there is already a lot of action to talk about across the league with free agency officially opening up draft prospects, blockbuster trades, and salary cap gymnastics happening across the league. The Bucks open up this season making it official with signing some pretty big names such as outside linebacker Shaquille Barrett, tight end Rob Gronkowski, defensive captain Levante David, and slot receiver Chris Godwin, all returning for at least one more year. Other notable re-signings include kicker Ryan Suckup and offensive lineman Aaron Stinney. Tom Brady extended his contract to help make the salary magic happen, a skill he's carried over from his days in New England. He signed a four-year extension with two voidable years, which actually results in a one-year extension on top of the remaining year he already had included from his initial contract with the team. This allows the Bucs to free up about $19 million in total cap space for 2021. The Bucs still have some major players that they still need to sign and are waiting in the wings, names like Antonio Brown, Leonard Fournette, and Adamic and Sue. There are rumors about Rakim Nunez Roaches being courted by New England, and still no leads on defensive lineman Steve McClendon, backup quarterbacks Blaine Gabbert and Ryan Griffin, as well as offensive lineman Joe Haig or other notable death players. Welcome into the Bucks Nation podcast. I'm your host Jason Curtis. Find me on Twitter at JC Bucks Nation and follow the show at Bucks Nation pod. And don't forget all of our written works posted at BucksNation.com. We're kicking off the show with Block One with host of the Cannon Fire Podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. You can find him on Twitter at Reticus. that's R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S, as well as his show at Cannon Fire Pod. Everyone, please welcome into the show, the one, the only, Rhett Matthew. What's up, buddy?
1: (laughs) What's going on, Jason? Thanks for the kind introduction, man. Bucks Nation, uh, very happy to be here.
0: What are you most excited about? heading into the 2021 season now that it is officially upon us as of this past Wednesday at 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern, uh, Eastern Standard Time. 2021 is here, man. What are you most excited about? Well, the new
1: year started. The Buccaneers are defending Super Bowl champions for the first time in a long time. And I think what I'm most excited about is seeing the expectations for this team, but kind of the expectations that are realistic at this point. Um, you know, everybody this time a year ago was talking about, you know, well, well, the Bucks will go 13 and 3, 12 and 4, maybe make a deep playoff run. And a lot of people were uh very critical of those Huge takes just because yeah. you didn't know how you didn't know how Tom Brady was gonna pan out, how that chemistry works out. And here we are, a whole Super Bowl title later. This team can really only get better from here. And, and that's obviously got to be pretty scary for the rest of the NFL. But I think the potential that this team shows. Um, you know, the Buccaneers doing a pretty good job so far of keeping this team together. I'm kind of surprised that they have been able to do so without letting anybody go just yet. I do think it's coming soon, but basically the next step that this team can take, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say 16 to no undefeated season, but they're definitely going to, uh, to maybe win more than 11 games. And just the thought of that alone is pretty damn exciting.
0: Well, you know, you've got a whole off season. you've got more to build on. And it's, you know, to me, I'm all about stacking on top of stacking. And and there's so much more that they can even continue to improve on. And you saw that game to game. To, did you ever think we'd be in this position after what was it? Seven and five when we were running into that yeah. bye week at seven and five? Like that was nuts. And then boom, this 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 peak at the right moment. And it was just it was a perfect symphony of how everything just came together there in the postseason.
1: Yeah, the identity of this team was so so topsy-turvy throughout the year because it's 7-5. and Not a lot of people were saying, you know, other than Tony Romo in the booth, nobody was saying that this Bucs team was going to go and win a Super Bowl. A lot of people were curious about a playoff run. I mean, I even said on our podcast after that second Saints game, I said, listen, if we run into into New Orleans again in the playoffs, I have little to no faith that they're going to get past them. And uh, obviously the gear started clicking at the right time. They finish out. Uh, franchise best eight wins in a row including a Super Bowl title yeah. only fell into place at exactly the right time but now that you have a full offseason with each other hopefully you get a fair shot it may be some sort of training camp I don't know about OTAs but listen if Brady's got to organize some OTAs at some Tampa high school he's going to do it um, and these guys have a lot more time on their hands to do so so it's just it's all exciting but The run that this team went on and the fact that they were playing their best football of the season when it mattered the most is is really important, and it's obviously something great that you can build on and carry into the next season.
0: Bingo. Absolutely bingo, man. You hit the nail on the head. What I love about this is going into the next season knowing what they're capable of doing. That's the cool part, and that's what excites me about heading into the offseason and heading into these. I'm actually really excited about the draft for the first time. Like, I want to see what they do for the future of this franchise. Outside of the draft, what do you think the best move the Bucs have made so far in terms of free agency extensions or contract restructures? You know, I I got to look at
1: Shaq Barrett, and, and I'll admit going into free agency, Levante David was a little higher on my list to get a contract than Shaq Barrett, and that's only because of the loyalty part of the deal. But Shaq Barrett is what, 28 years old. He's a guy who had potential to really, you know, make some noise in that pass rush market. Um, and for an edge rusher, the bucks got a really good deal on him because you yeah. look at other guys around the league. I think Bud Dupree getting paid a little bit more. A lot of other pass rushers, especially those guys coming off of the edge are just getting paid Bozo bucks. And yeah, Shaq got his money. But as far as the box are concerned, he definitely took a little bit of a hometown discount. I mean, this is a guy who's got 25 plus sacks over the last two seasons, um, I think he was one of the, you know, one of the best in the league this year, pressuring the quarterback, if not number one. So the fact that the Bucs were able to lock him down, make him happy. And obviously he's a guy who wanted to come back and and basically was vocal about it not really being anywhere else but Tampa. But to lock a guy like that down after, you know, he bet on himself, basically had a historic season, damn near 20 sacks. He's going to be in the record books for a long time. He's a guy who deserved to get paid, and I'm really, really glad they are able to make it happen in Tampa because he is a guy who, as long as you have Vita Vea in the middle, he's definitely going to be special for a while.
0: I think him and JPP on opposite sides absolutely are dynamic to and Plus, you know, there's a lot of questions about what's going to happen right there in the middle to complement Vita Vea in the offseason, but I was actually looking at it not too long ago, and I was looking at edge rushers, and a name that popped up on the outside was Aaron Donald you know, that guy's making 135 million over six years. That's just ridiculous. That's just, I mean, to be fair, he is, ridiculous. he is Aaron Donald. I get it, but Holy crap, <laughs> man. When you compare that to some that, you know, so what did, uh, what did, what did we get checked for? I think it was somewhere around 35 million or something. It's a definitely, it's, it's a deal, right? Uh, i have to bargain. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'll tell you another thing that the Buccaneers have done really well
1: throughout free agency is, you know, they've been able to bring everybody back successfully, but they're doing it with a little bit of a loophole that I don't think is going to be around for very long. But these voidable years on the contract, like with the Brady extension, you know, everybody was confused as to what type of deal it would be because of these voidable years, a.k.a. uh, imaginable years, imaginary years on a contract. Yeah, Um. I'm still. But I mean, they've this. been doing a really, really good job <laughs> with the cap. Yeah. I mean, you know, we shouldn't get too comfortable because like I said, I just I don't think this is something that's going to stick around. I think it's definitely a way to take advantage of what's going on and the league's going to find a way to put an end to that with the cap going up next season. But um I mean, they've just been doing a really good job, and the fact that they've been getting some of these guys to stay for less than other teams seem like they would pay them. I mean, Antonio Brown, a guy who's kind of in purgatory right now because I don't know what kind of market he's going to get. But I feel like if he stays in Tampa Bay, he's not going to be getting paid, you know, as much as we really think he will. So they've done a really good job making it attractive enough for these guys to want to come back. But, you know, to take less money on top of it and keeping this team together has been priority number one. But they're knocking it out of the park so
0: far. I think the Bucks are waiting to see what the market value is for Antonio Brown. And uh, actually I just saw Rick Stroud out on Twitter actually compliment or comment on that. And if the market is just not there, then it, very realistically we could get a B back uh, potentially at even a, a, a bigger discount. And and just to correction off Shaquille Barrett's uh, contract, it's actually 36 million guaranteed, not overall. Yeah. It's actually a $68 million contract, but 36 guaranteed. But still you compare that to the, to the six year 135 that's still ridiculous you're listening to the Bucks Nation podcast I'm here with Rhett Matthew of the Cannon Fire podcast Rhett I want to ask you about the backup Bucks players there are a lot that the Bucs are potentially going to lose here and they have not they have remained unsigned so let's name a couple here offensive lineman Joe Haig quarterback Ryan Griffin linebacker Kevin Minter Jack Cicci hey you didn't mean to cut you off I'm sorry but they did actually bring back Kevin
1: Minter last I read
0: Oh, hey, that was one. I actually was just doing uh, my reviews and I actually was deleting some that was hey, listen, <laughs> there are probably some that are being recorded on here that are being uh, signed as we speak. And obviously, yeah. by the time this gets to your ear holes, they're probably already signed. But as of this moment, right, uh, another name is cornerback uh, Ross Cockrell, who knows what happens to these guys. But how do the Bucks address their depth concerns for 2021? You know, you got to look at the draft
1: personally, I think is where it starts. And, and when I look at depth on this team, I really look on that defensive line because yeah, you've got, you know, a great defensive line. Uh, you got good rotation in the middle. If you hang on to a guy like Will Golston, which I don't know how likely it is now, but I look at the draft um, pick number 32, the box are in a different position than they have been, obviously these past couple of years. And I think they can have a little bit of fun with pick 32, you know, it's hard to go wrong because it's not like there's a huge glaring need um, that needs to be addressed immediately. I mean, you're coming off of a Super Bowl. What, you know, what are we really banging the table about? Um, but I think some depth along that defensive line goes a long way. Honestly, I would not mind an edge rusher at 32, somebody to compliment mm. Shaq Barrett, JPP, because I know Shaq Barrett just got that money. So he's going to see a health, uh, a healthy bit of the snap count next season. But Jason Pierre-Paul is a guy who is, you know, still a little over 30. And, and I mean, he had that knee surgery, so he should be back ready to go. But we know between the two of them, they don't (laughs) like to take plays off. But somebody to rotate in and out, somebody to complement, I think, is important. So that defensive line is is really where I'm looking at first when it just comes to addressing depth. Because I think everywhere else, you know, things will fall into place and they'll ultimately have some answers there. Maybe on the offensive line as well, but that's kind of looking ahead because you've got – you know, Aaron Stinney just re-signed, but Alex Kappa next season going to be a free agent. Um, and I believe some contracts are up as well. So maybe on the trenches is where I'm looking at first. But, it, you know, I like looking at the draft because Jason Light, he's got a pretty good track record these past few years.
0: I really like Levi Anzuriki from Washington. He seems to be he's like my horse in the draft. I'm just pegging him for 32. Yeah. <laughs> if I were to put anything up on a board, it's going to be his name. I actually think that he's probably one of the better options for them to pick up at 32. But so that's the big question here. Do they really focus that hard outside of just picking a couple of players here and there? I, maybe they draft away some picks and pick up some other player. I don't know what they do. Do they really focus that hard on this draft?
1: I think it's about finding that middle ground. You know, I can definitely I can definitely get behind the idea of kicking a can a little bit down the road. But you also look at some positions that are going to be in need next year. Um, I'm the type of person that says don't draft a running back in the first round. Hell, I, I mean. You know, if it was up to me, don't draft a running back in the first three rounds, because personally I'd like to see a little more. I'd like to see a little more out of Keyshawn Vaughn. But let's say the right guy is there at 32. Here's the facts. Ronald Jones is going to be a free agent next season. And personally, if he plays yeah. up to the potential that I think he can, I think he'll take his money and go elsewhere. Um, you know, there's a couple of other positions. I think a case could be made for a wide receiver if they really wanted to. Chris Godwin, I know we got him on the tag, unless he gets tagged again he's going to make his money and he's going to get paid well to be a wide receiver. One, um, a lot of eyes go on Tyler Johnson, but again, that's the beauty of having this pick at 32 is they can kind of just pick and choose whatever situation they Very want to true. put themselves in. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about the depth as well. So I think that'll definitely be addressed. Maybe they draft a, uh, a fourth safety somewhere. Um, because we know Andrew Adams got, uh, got signed by Philly today. You know, I think addressing the depth, but also kind of thinking about what positions you're going to need to focus on first um, next season, because as far as we look at it right now, you sign the rest of your guys and you pick up some complimentary players in the draft, have some fun with that pick at 32. I don't think there's any wrong that can be done there.
0: I want to thank my special guest, Rhett Matthew of the Cannon Fire podcast for being with us today, man. I really, really do appreciate it. Kicking us off here for 2021 season kickoff, man. I'm just excited, man. I'm excited about the offseason season. It feels like we just played the Super Bowl literally like a week or two ago. So it's just absolutely not. Tell everybody where they can find you, man. Yes, sir. So you guys can find me on uh, Instagram
1: and Twitter at Redicus, R-A-G-T-T-A-K-U-S. And if you follow me, I promise I will follow you back. Uh, You can also check out the podcast, Canna Fire Podcast. We're up with video over on YouTube. And we got a bunch of great content over there as well as, you know, the podcast alongside of it. Uh, but if you like listening to it or anywhere you download a podcast, just search cannon fire podcast. Um, and thanks again, Jason, for having me on, man. We got to have you on the show sometime soon.
0: Yeah. Rock on, man. I can't wait to uh, join you on there. I love this show and always listen. So appreciate you guys got to check it out. Cannon fire podcast. Do not miss it. YouTube, as well as everywhere you download and stream your podcast. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And on the other side, we're going to have Zach Blobner from 95, three WDAE AM six twenty on to talk about the remaining starters still on the waiting list. You don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Welcome into block two of the Bucks Nation podcast. I'm your host, Jason Curtis at JC Bucks Nation. I am now joined by iHeart Radio host and producer for 95.3 WDAE AM 620 Tampa Bay. He's also the host of the Craft Beer Playbook podcast, which you can find at the you can find him on Twitter at Zach on the mic. That's Z A C on the mic. Welcome back to the show, Mister Zach Blobner.
2: Happy to be back, man. Uh, I, dude, I don't know about you, but it it feels like the NFL season never stopped. Like I feel like we had the boat parade. We got to celebrate in Tampa for like a week, maybe a week and a half. And I I've been afraid to go to bed. I've been waking up to NFL news every morning or like tidbits, not necessarily even Bucks related. Um, but it's it's been just nonstop. And, like, I was talking to one of my buddies about this. Actually, Brian Ritchie, who I do the craft beer uh, playbook with, we do that podcast. And I was like, is it different this year? Like, is it just me? Am I just crazy? Like, it feels like it's more – hectic than usual and yeah, I, I know absolutely. there's obviously a lot going on but doesn't it feel more hectic and i don't know if that's because the bucks won the super bowl like i mean i'm interested to kind of hear what your thoughts are it feels crazier to me
0: well listen i mean so we have a shorter off season obviously because we played the mm-hmm. very last game of the season so uh, naturally we're going to have a shorter offseason, and obviously that's what any team wants to make sure that they have but yeah, it's been exciting, man. I mean, you got a lot of movement going on around. I mean, it started with the golf and Stafford news. And then it started off with, you know, Russell Wilson blasting, you know, calling out Seattle a little bit, uh, calling out his linemen, which was pretty, uh, pretty bold of him. Right. I mean, Deshaun Watson drama happening in Houston. I mean, every day something is popping off and you want to know what the next move is. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, what are the Bucs going to do? Right. You've been covering the NFL for a while. You've been covering the Bucks for a while. Have you heard of any other season where the cap, the salary cap itself, has been the headline? Not who and what and where, but it's the salary cap.
2: No. I mean, it's something that we usually talk about, and they can project like, oh, it'll be this. So teams kind of adjust early on accordingly, thinking it'll hit a certain number. But knowing that it was going to be less this year and that the revenue was down and that it was just such a
0: unique. Such a huge uh, headline.
2: Yeah. And I I think the league was expecting it. But it's, it's it's a new thing with the revenue and the cap yeah. going down. So I think everybody's just trying to bounce around and kind of just get a feel for how to work with it. And honestly, the Bucks have been one of the best teams at, at adjusting to it.
0: So let's go ahead and jump right into this because I want to know what you are the most excited about heading into the 2021 season. It officially started this past Wednesday, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. 2021 season, is it's officially here. We get to look forward to the draft. We get to look to pro days. We get to look to... Uh, all the free agency things get solidified. We start seeing a lot of signings, etc. But what are you the most excited about heading into the 2021 season?
2: Well, I mean, look, it's the easy answer is that the Bucks have retained so much talent, right? Like that they're able to get all these guys come back and really give it another go, try to get to Super Bowl 56, see if they can win back to back Super right. Bowls like and they put themselves in a position to do that. Obviously, Tom Brady, the helm was a big part of it. So with that being said, like, I'm excited about that when it comes to the season. The season's a long ways away, though, right? So for me, I'm looking – I always want to see the new faces. Like, most teams in the league, it's like, oh, what free agents are we going to pick up? Here in Tampa Bay, it was like, we're just hoping we get everybody back. But get draft, our own
0: people back, yeah.
2: For sure, for sure. But the draft does still, like – present an opportunity for those new fresh faces and look bucks are picking 32 that's not ideal but on the same hand if you think about it they're going to get some guys in there that might be able to contribute right away even at 32 because when you're picking that low and you don't have many holes if any to fill you're going on value so that's exciting so I'm still going to enjoy the draft like I normally do Um, and then some of the guys that we really didn't get to see the rookies specifically because of the weird offseason we know all about Tristan Warfs we know all about you know, Antoine Winfield Jr. in the backfield. But give me some more Tyler Johnson, right? Like, let me see him work.
0: Yeah, I wasn't a big Keyshawn
2: Vaughn guy, but I'd like to see some more of him. You know, he's a skilled player. So those are two guys. That that was a big
0: question about what they're going to do at running back too. There's a lot of questions about what they're going to do at running back, whether they uh, elevate Keyshawn uh, Vaughn to that secondary status and let Rojo be Rojo and be the bell cow in that backfield. Who knows what that's going to look like? Obviously, McCoy's not coming back. Still a little uh, still a little light on 4 on that, right? So we're going to get to that in just a second. But I'll tell you, what I'm most excited about is just seeing an off-season, having yeah, a man. real off-season, which all signs are pointing to it. The vaccinations are flooding out. Everything is running as planned. Obviously, uh, y- you know, everything coming out of Washington and the States and everything else like that, it sounds like and feels like things are going to somewhat get back to normal, hopefully relatively sooner than later. But we're going to have a real off-season. And even if it may not be a normal offseason, I think they've had time to be able to plan for it. And, and that's what I'm most yeah. excited about it. But speaking about some of those big names, we just talked about Fournette. There are still some big name free agents from last year's roster still on the waiting list. We got an Antonio Brown, Leonard Fournette, playoff Lenny, right? What do the Bucs do there?
2: Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I think the first guy that we all expected to not come back in terms of like the, the main players was Leonard Fournette, but we know that now that the bucks are in the mix for him, they're trying to get him back, trying to, you know, bring him on board again. We know that Seattle's in the mix, the Patriots have reached out. So playoff Lenny's got some options there, but also we talked like we started the episode with the cap space thing. We also know that the revenue will be up and the cap space is going to be blowing up next offseason. Right. So a lot of players are open to doing lower deals, shorter deals, maybe both. And if you're doing that, why not go to a team that's Super Bowl bound, the Super Bowl champs, uh, you know, and has a good shot to kind of get back at it. So I think if you're Leonard Fournette, like you can go out there and get a decent payday, but are you going to be able to get more than like a year or a two year deal somewhere? Maybe, and this kind of goes for Antonio Brown too, but at a much lower cost, obviously. Maybe you just come back to the Bucks for one more season, prove you can do it twice, And then you get to take advantage of all the money that's out there next year. So again, I think those guys are in similar situations with the exception of Antonio costing a much less. And I think there's obviously less of a need at the receiver position totality was, but the the problem is when you compare the two, Brady's probably also making a stronger push to bring Antonio back as opposed to playoff lane.
0: No, I guess that is a really good point right there. Absolutely. Because they, those guys obviously gel pretty well. I mean, for me, I think teams are taking notice to how long it took Fournette to grasp a new system. He mm-hmm. came in and and he's not young anymore. And he's not just being used as that, that downhill runner that he was utilized for in Jacksonville. And it's a lot different right now. He's going into a new scheme and he didn't quite pick it up at first. And then he seemed to have a little bit of problem here and there. He even had to have a conversation with Bruce Arians about halfway through. Remember that game where he went inactive, non-injury related, that was pretty interesting to say the least, right? So teams take notice to that stuff, and they're going to look at that, and I don't know. I do see stylistically, and, and, and Gil Garcia obviously uh, did a good article up on BucksNation.com about Fournette and the offers being weighed with Seattle stylistically. It's an interesting fit. What are your thoughts about Seattle for Fournette?
2: Well, as of right now, Chris Carson's you know heading down to Miami, right? From the accounts that we saw in free agency uh, through the course of today, so I think if if you're letting Fournette, I that might be your best fit. And it looks like Russell Wilson's most likely going to stick around too. Obviously, they have a lot of questions on the O-line, but they have great receivers. You'd be the bell cow, and you're going to another elite Hall of Fame type quarterback and an offensive play caller and Pete Carroll, who's you know elite as well. So I think if you're Leonard Fournette and it's more about bulk and you're just like I mean like because he can go to any team a good team but he wants to be you know in that role primarily he wants to get paid too but also have that primary back role I think Seattle's probably one of the more tasty places you can go to do that I, like I don't feel similarly about the Patriots trying to go after him I don't think that's as nice of a spot for him and then ultimately like if you're on the fence and this is where the Bucks have the the edge if any of these guys are, are, are like weighing out their options and they're like a 50-50 or even like 45-55 you're going to come back to Tampa Bay and play with Tom Brady. Like that's a no brainer. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah, it does. It does seem like to be a no brainer, right? Well, this is Bucks Nation podcast. Jason Curtis here talking with sports radio host and producer Zach Blobner. Zach, how do you think the Bucks front office, how do you think they plan for the future of this team? They've got to start looking at the future. How do you expect them to afford the future of this roster? Obviously, now that they've kicked the, the proverbial can down the road uh, with the salary cap to make room for 2021.
2: Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because I think the toughest part for them is having no idea how long Tom Brady can play. Like, it's easy for us all to say, yeah, you know, we figure two more years, maybe three. Okay, what if he plays five more years, right? Like, are you going to build Belichick him and let him leave? Hell no. Tampa Bay would never do that. Like, they've, they've watched it and been on the other side of it. And uh, you can even point to Peyton Manning when he leaves Indianapolis and goes to Denver. Like, you don't want to be that team that lets the GOAT or one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game walk out of your building when they might have enough juice left for one more run. So I, I think that that makes it tough on them. Um, but again, they have a, very, a lot of young players. We just talked about Antoine Winfield Jr. And we talked about Tristan Warps. Those guys were rookies, right? You have a lot of young guys in the secondary. Chris Godwin is, is just now starting to ascend. Even under just the tag, you would think that he gets a long-term deal at some point. So they do have a lot of youth. It is a good mix. Devin White, you know, he's what, only a couple years into Vita Vea, uh, just one more year than him. So th- there's a lot to like in the youth uh, department. And again, when you're winning and you're playing well, You can afford to draft guys based on value. So I don't know if they're going to hit on all their picks. It's hard to do. But I would imagine as long as Brady's here, even if they're picking, you know, 31st or 30th, maybe they don't get to 32 every year. They're going to find value guys to bring in that just fall to them in the draft. And the biggest question will be quarterback. Like, when do they approach that? But outside of the quarterback position, I think they're going to be set up OK moving forward, you know, even for four or five years. From
0: now. I think they did well on the defensive front. I'm not sure if they did too well on the on the offensive front. I think these guys are all senior veterans. I mean, you've got five, six plus years on, on a lot of these guys. Right. The offensive line is aging quickly outside of Tristan Wurfs. So obviously that is a real big concern. Right. Glad that they did yeah. lock in Aaron Stiddy. Uh, but but what, what's going to happen with other depth players. Right. So that, that's always an interesting thing, uh, especially when you're looking at three, four years down the road, five years, eventually there's gotta be a rebuilding period. Right.
2: So, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. But I think it's really different too. Again, I mean, I hate to kind of keep going back to Brady, but it makes the situation so unique
0: because as long
2: as he's your quarterback, like you don't really have to think five years ahead and and it's hard to do that because then then you're taking away from real opportunities to, to win another Super Bowl. I think with the Bucks, you know, last Super Bowl, the OG one, it was so prevalently based on the defense that, like, yeah, a guy like Brad Johnson isn't going to make or break the team, and you're hoping that all like five of these defensive players, you know, three of which are Hall of Famers now, continue to play at an elite level. Brady, you're not even hoping he plays necessarily at an elite level. You're just hoping he stays an elite player, which includes all the stuff and intangibles he does in practice and off the field and calling these guys. And I mean, we've heard so many stories now from the the Super Bowl run of like what Brady did off the field and just on the phone and chatting with these guys. I just think that it's, it it is very different because you, you have so much energy and youth and talent across the board outside of the quarterback position, but Brady's just, he's an enigma, man. It's, it's hard to equate for him and how team, any team, let alone the bucks who have them should handle, you know, their future with him on board. He just, he's, he, he clears the board, bro. That's to be blunt. With yeah. you, he clears the board. Like all all the other things like go out the window because he's a once in a lifetime player.
0: It seems like they're putting a lot of eggs in a very short and small basket here. Godwin's only locked in for one year. Gronk for one year. Brady, we know for two uh, mm-hmm. this year and next. LVD only for two, right? In terms of personnel though, what happens there? I mean, do they focus more on the draft or do they do they just kind of... Well, we'll, t- we'll handle it two years down the road or we'll handle it next year.
2: Yeah. I mean, well, look, the draft is still there. Right. So like, again, regardless of right. whatever they do in free agency in the off season, they're going to be taking guys and bringing them in and some of those guys will hit some won't. Um, but in terms of the free agents and the older guys, yeah, they're just going to keep pushing it off. And I, Again, if there was, like, no youth, like, remember the Raiders, not to go back to that Bucs Super Bowl, and obviously they lost to the Bucks, but think about how old that team was with Rich Gannett at the helm and Jerry Rice, oh, Jerry Rice, and Rice yeah. <laughs> Like, these guys were – like, their yeah. whole team was, They're like, ancient. a bunch of guys with, like, a year – like, we're done, dude. Like, it's de- – again, I mean, going through the list, and you go on either side of the ball, like, Vita Vea is young. Devin White is young. All the secondary, Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy, yeah. Bunting. Um, they're all young. Jamel Dean, Antoine Winfield Jr. is a rookie. Jordan Whitehead, like they're all young. Mike Edwards. So it's not like they have a bunch of guys aging out. They just have a nice mix of those bets. If Sue comes back, obviously JPP still around. Um, you know, I, Levante, I, I just want to see more yeah.
0: youth on the front on the offense. I just want to see more, more youth on the offense, maybe a little bit to build around. I the mean, wall, you got,
2: or you mean like the line? Cause I know you mentioned the, I think the line,
0: line, I think the quarterback, I don't know if we have the future quarterback. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know about running back. Right. I, obviously there doesn't seem yeah. to be a lot of stock being put into Ronald Jones as long term. I mean, he's going into what his fourth season, fifth season. I think it is. He'll be on the chopping block next year. Here's the thing. To your point, so
2: I'm with you. I, I get where you're coming from. I do. So so a few things. A, there's different philosophies in running backs, right? Like, I think they're a diamond dozen. Like, even if Rojo has a career year, they're not going to re-sign him for a big contract because that's just not how the Bucks do business, in my opinion. Like, they would go elsewhere. They would look into free agency. And you think about Brady and some of the backs he's won with. He's won with young guys, old guys, mixture, average. Like, he figures it out. So I think running back's a position where, like, you don't necessarily have to plan for the future because you can always find guys in the draft or free agency at a discount compared to what you would pay a guy like Rojo, like we're talking about with Lenny now. In terms of the offensive line, like, your concern with there is, like, how I feel about the D-line. Like, I'm a big, like, yeah, drafty tackles, draft We talked rusher. about the last time. You never have himself. enough. Yeah. Yeah, You can never have enough. But you know what? And Jason, I've said this for, for at least, I want to say three years, even when Jameis was the quarterback. I was like, if the Bucks literally spent 90% of their draft capital every year, you know, whether it's all seven rounds, sometimes they have more picks, obviously sometimes they have less. But if the Bucks spent 90% of the draft capital every year in the trenches on offensive and defensive line, like I would never bitch and complain. I would never be mad about it because because you can't have enough of those guys. Like you, you just can't like they go. I mean, look, look at Kansas City, right? They had two guys that they were missing three i think total if you count the, the doctor there in in the super bowl they they cut two of them they cut the center they brought two guys back in like that's such a rotating door in the trenches yeah. and, and it's hard to keep guys healthy too so like for me like i'm always wanting to draft heavy there and then figure out you know look again the quarterback position is a comp- man we need another episode because yeah. like that, that's such a it's, it's it's an impossible conversation right now because if they think Brady's going to play for three more years, you don't have to bring another quarterback in, and it wouldn't make sense to. Like, I know the Packers did, but by time, you know, uh, you, you're putting that guy in, Aaron Rodgers, he's already going to have eaten through half of the rookie deal for him. So you lose that, that benefit of having a rookie QB if you're not getting to him, you know, in year two at the very least. So I think it's tough with the quarterback situation. Before the Super Bowl run, before the playoffs, I was like, draft a quarterback. You know, if Trask or Mac Jones is there at 32 or whatever they end up drafting, Take them. Now I'm like, yeah, push it off till next season. Honestly, because like I don't think they need a guy in to sit for two years under Brady. I think that's a waste of a rookie deal.
0: We've been chatting with iHeartRadio, host and producer from 95.3 WDAE AM 620 Tampa Bay and the host of the Craft Beer Playbook podcast, Zach Blodmer. Tell all the good people where they can find you, sir.
2: Yep, at Zach on the mic, on Twitter, Instagram, across all social media. You mentioned the the craftbeerplaybook.com and then on iHeartRadio quite a bit, Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. with Ronnie and t Crass. Uh, you can also find me Saturdays from 10 to noon with Nick Wise. And then in the football season, which is, again, it feels far, but it's not as far as we think. Uh, I do the fantasy fix from 10 to 11, talking fantasy football. So tons to talk about here in Tampa Bay, man. And, and just happy that we're talking about championships and how we can do it again.
0: All right, Bucks Nation, we're going to head out into another break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show with I Don't Give a Buck. And we'll talk some early draft prospects with our very own Chris Schoenherr. You're listening to the Bucks Nation podcast. We'll be right back. Got me. Got me. Yeah. All I do is win, 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 no matter what Forget Welcome back Bucks Nation, it is Block 3 And I am now joined by Bucks Nation writer and analyst Chris Schoenher You can find him on Twitter at CynicalBucksFan Welcome into the show for the first time ever, Chris Yeah, no problem, thanks for having me on It's Block 3, so you all know what that means Here we go! I don't give a fuck, I don't give a fuck I don't give a, I don't give a, fuck. I don't give a fuck Chris, I don't give a buck if Sue returns next season. So let me tell you a couple points on this. The defense, if you realize what happened in the second half of that season, the defense was slower when Vita Vail went down. Bowles had to start pushing guys up front. He went to four-man, five-man fronts, breaking away from the 3-4 scheme that he is traditionally known for. Uh, Of course, loves the stunts from the outside, but that takes away from your linebackers. So the middle was left open. Look at that game against Los Angeles. They were just absolutely destroying us with Cooper Cup, uh, you know, right there in the middle between the safeties, right behind the linebackers because of the lack of coverage, because we did not have that front coverage uh, locked down. Vita Vale was just not there. So we had nobody that was reliable. The Dominican Sioux is one of the better defensive linemen. I am not saying that he is a bad defensive lineman. He's unfortunately very slow. He is a strong, he's a brick wall. And it's going to be very hard to run into a brick wall. However, brick walls can be moved if you have enough people to be able to move brick walls. Or you just run around the brick wall, right? You know, trading and getting Steve McClendon on didn't help much but obviously having someone else to compliment sue up front and then obviously interchangeably bringing in golston and other players like nacho bringing them into the mix so obviously uh they could keep the defensive line fresh at all times so brilliant maneuvers by bowls like i said he's a good defensive lineman i'm not saying that he's bad however if he doesn't return and we can bring in some youth And we can bring some strong, nimble guys that can protect against that run and can rush the pass a little bit more. That's why I don't give a buck if Sue returns next season. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a, I don't give a, I don't give a fuck.
3: Well, Jason, you know, I think I'm going to have to agree with you there. Um, I think that he is a very good run stuffer, but, you know, outside of that, he doesn't bring a lot in the pass rush game, so... I can definitely, I can definitely see why he wouldn't necessarily need to come back, but you know, I don't give a buck if Ronald Jones is re-signed after the 2021 season. And I know I'm looking a little bit ahead. I know I'm looking a little bit ahead and I know some guys are probably going to give me some flack for that. And I've gotten some flack in the past about Ronald Jones. Um, you know, the reason I, I'm really thinking that is because right now he's gonna be entering into a new into a new contract, obviously, after after his rookie contract, and he's gonna demand at least what over the cap right now has him at at around four point eight million a year. And for a running back, I don't think you need to pay running backs. I'm I'm a strong believer in the you can just draft a running back every year and hope they develop, um, type of thing. You know, you get guys, especially on day three like Chris Carson and Aaron Jones, and they've been absolutely fantastic in their respective cities and and even then there are some guys on, on uh, day two that are really good you know you look at Alvin Kamara he was a round three guy Kareem Hunt was a round three guy and these guys are obviously standouts and while the Bucks might not necessarily have the luck in getting guys like that you know, I think you pull a guy in and this year you pull a guy in next year in the draft and you got somebody to come in and take the load for Ronald Jones. Um, and in this offense, you know, you need a guy that's able to catch the ball. And, and as we saw last year, Ronald Jones just cannot catch the ball. And even if he does catch it, he's not that explosive. Make a guy miss and and get all the way down a field type of guy. So while I do like Ronald Jones, I think he's a great pure runner, um, but it's the receiving that really breaks it for me. And Jason, that's why I don't give a fuck about the Bucks re-signing Rojo in 2022.
1: I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck.
0: So I'm actually a huge Rojo fan, so I actually think that they need to keep him for as long as his wheels are staying on. Because once you have a good thing, and if you look at, you know, obviously keeping Ryan Suckup on the roster, when you find a good thing, you hold on to a good thing. To so be <laughs> honest with you, man. I mean, you got to hold on to a good thing. Yes, but how long does it take for someone? How long does it take for someone to develop in a system? I mean, of course, you've got CJ Process, you got TJ Logan, you've got Kenyon Barner, you got all these young guys that have come in. Uh, you know, but you still had to get LaShawn McCoy, you know, an over the hill running back. He's slow, Chris. He's slow. <laughs> Leonard Fournette, right? He comes in after just fizzing out in Jacksonville, but still all of a sudden he's, 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 uh, you know, relevant again. You know, it takes him an entire freaking season. A veteran that takes an entire season to figure out, uh, Bruce Herring, er, or excuse me, Byron left, which is uh game plan and scheme on the offense i'm just not buying that you could just plug and play running backs i'm the opposite of that but i do respect that uh i don't give a buck that the bucks kick the proverbial can down the road with the salary cap they've got the pieces they wanted and they think they have a real chance to be a better team in 2021 and arguably so absolutely man if you look at we talked about it with zach blotner now, listen, you stack on top of stack on top of stack. If you're getting better pro- progressively throughout the year and you peak at the right time in the postseason, you're going to be coming into the next season with just as much strength. Can you believe what can you imagine what it's going to look like in week five of the 2021 season with a real offseason with with a, a training camp? Um, you know, of course, they're limiting the uh, preseason games, but still being able to to build on top of that with some of the youth pieces that I'm I'm betting that they're going to be getting in the draft or or the depth pieces that'll be coming in, right? It kind of reminds... So this is really funny, Chris. I actually wrote down this note. It reminds me of the movie Draft Day. You remember the movie Draft Day?
3: I haven't actually seen it.
0: So it's a good movie. So, so the fictional character, the GM of the Cleveland Browns, Sonny Weaver, I think his name was, played by Kevin Costner. He gets offered the first overall draft pick by the seattle seahawks but he has to give up his next three year first round picks so pretty hefty price right Mm -hmm. after blowing up the draft not picking the guy that everyone thinks that he's going to get which is this all pro or all-star um or all-american quarterback instead of not getting him that he gets he gets his guy blows up the entire draft everyone's like what the hell's going on And put Seattle Seahawks back on their heels and he says, give me back my first round picks and I'll give you this next one. My point is, they get it all. They'll get all of that salary cap. They'll get all that space and plus some in the next two years. They're going to fix this. They're going to figure out a way to restructure more contracts. They're going to figure out how to clear up the cap space. They're going to figure this out within the next two years. I don't think they went into this completely blind and just decided to push out all that salary cap. I think they know what they're doing. So that's why I don't give a buck that the Bucks kicked the can down the road with the salary cap. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck.
1: I don't give a I don't give a fuck. don't give a fuck.
3: And you know, I'm going to have to agree with you there. I think a lot of people are getting really terrified of, of seeing the can get kicked down the road, especially because of what's going on with uh, with the rival New Orleans Saints. You know, they're, they're in absolutely in a terrible cap position right now, and and they really kick the can down the road on a lot of these contracts. And Looking at what the Bucs have done, you know, they're not doing all these voidable years. There's only a few guys they've done it with. And, you know, I think they're in win now mode and, you know, they won the Super Bowl and let's let's keep it going. You know, I, I, I'm going to have to agree with you fully. But, you know, I don't give a buck if they end up having to cut Cam Brate this offseason to make up for some of that cap. You know, talking about the cap a little bit. Um, while I do love Cameron Bright and the things that he's done for this team, I mean he's absolutely been one of the most solid uh, red zone targets for you know Jameis Winston and now and now uh, Tom Brady. And and while he didn't produce as much as he did this year, you know that Bronk was Bronk was coming in and, and he was obviously going to take over that role. Um, you know I don't think Cam is the greatest blocker. You know they have Anthony Auclair and they have Bronk for those those big blockers on the edge. You know and and. Gronk and OJ Howard are better receivers. Um, if they want to bring Cam Bray back at a pay cut, I'd be more than happy to see him on the team. But right now, I think he's somewhere at like the $7.5 million for this year. So if he's not willing to take a cut after only producing 28 catches for 282 yards and two touchdowns last year, you know, a tight end with that kind of production is not worth seven and a half million. I don't care about the 175 yards that he pulled up in the playoffs. You know, I mean, he was a great contributor. He did great things, but at the end of the day, it's all about keeping the team together with the key pieces. And I don't think Cam Brate is the key piece that this team needs to go to win another Super Bowl coming up this year. And Jason, that's why I don't give a buck if they have to cut, if they have to cut Cam Brate
1: this offseason. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a. I don't give a. I don't give a
0: fuck. That is the first time I have heard that take. And and actually, I'm not in complete disagreement there. Uh, They did re-sign Tanner Hudson as far as depth. So that was a sign towards, you know, obviously keeping some pieces alive there. Do they need? I I questioned that at the beginning of last season when they brought Rob Gronkowski in. Why do you have three pass-catching tight ends, prolific, you know, and I like to use that word a lot, by the way, <laughs> prolific <laughs> pass catching tight ends, you know, in O.J. Howard, Cameron Bray and now Rob Gronkowski. It just scratched my head. But then I'm learning about the, you know, the 12 man personnel. And the... I, I wonder if they don't look at O.J. Howard instead of Cam, Cameron Bray, Tom Brady. He he loves his tight ends, as you know. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he loved Aaron Hernandez first. And then obviously he has Rob Gronkowski for the past several years. So he loves his tight ends. And now being, I mean, look at the, how many passes Cameron Brake caught from Tom Brady. I don't know. You got to look at that gelling factor as well. OJ Howard did not have a full season or a season at all with Tom Brady, but he still has some value given that he does fully heal. So I don't know. Maybe OJ Howard takes that takes. I can't agree with what you're saying, but that's the first time I've I've heard that take. So that is really interesting. This is the Bucks Nation podcast, our 2021 season three premiere. I am here with Chris Schoner from Bucks Nation. And you can check out all of our written works at BucksNation.com. Chris, I got a couple of questions for you. First one is, I got to know what you are the most excited about heading into the 2021 season. I'm looking
3: forward to more winning. I mean, being a fan of this franchise for so long after the Super Bowl run and in, in the early two thousands and the few times they made the playoffs, they have stunk. And I mean, stunk, you know, they had the two win seasons, the three win seasons, the five win seasons. And every year we kept building up our hopes that this team was finally going to finally produce something, you know, and then the past few years, um, under Dirk Cutter. And then, you know, obviously BA coming in the last few years, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're always waiting to see what this team can do. And last year they bring in Tom Brady and they, Hey, they take it all the way and they win a Super Bowl. and, you know, they're putting all the pieces this year to bring that, that same team back. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm really just looking forward to seeing this team produce some more wins.
0: I believe within the past five years, they were definitely trying. I think it was definitely a coaching issue, not a fan of what Dirk Cutter was able to do, uh at, 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 what is it R- Ricky Morris came or uh, Raheem Morris came in mm-hmm. um oh god Lovey Smith came in
3: oh goodness Lovey Smith oh my god and there was just <laughs> all these
0: really bad coaching moves now keep in mind I love Lovey Smith when he was with Chicago and and I believe he brought them to the Super Bowl so he brought Chicago to the Super Bowl against Indianapolis uh I don't remember how many years ago that was almost what 10 years ago the coaching Challenges I think were, and I started blaming the glaziers, you know, thinking they were running the team more than the GM was. And I just love the Jason light hire. I love how he has shaped up the offense and I love reading the history. I did a story on Jason light, how the offensive line was really his key focus when he first came in and he got seated and how they built that offensive line. Now I've been super critical of it in that there's been a lot of growing pains, and it's been super painful. I'm not a huge Donovan Smith fan. I still think he's slow and he's getting beat a lot on the outside. Yeah, I'm not, not a by, fan either. Yeah, yeah, so huge Tristan Wirfs fan. I love him. I actually think he could play better on the left side. But again, you need a bigger guy and you need someone, obviously, that can plant their feet a little bit. Tristan Wirfs obviously being more of a nimble guy that can kind of bounce in and out. He can also do, you know, do some pulls and things like that. I I, I kind of have to say that it's more of a GM or not a GM thing, but it was a GM before Jason light. The coaching decisions were like the worst thing, but I have to say like, since they got Jameis Winston, you kind of felt like they were at least on this trajectory to start winning. And obviously with Brashad Perryman and Chris Godwin blowing up that year. And then you got Mike Evans blowing up that year. And then you've got uh OJ Howard blowing up. I mean, you got all these players that are like huge and obviously uh Being the fantasy analyst, I kind of look at all those players and I'm like, this is like gold. But don't ever play Jameis Winston. (laughs) (laughs) You play all their receivers and all their tight ends, but do not play Jameis Winston. Otherwise, you're going to pay for it, right? The Bucs are going to have to eventually look at the future, though. What position do you feel like the Bucs need to focus on in the draft?
3: So coming into this draft, I think the big focus has to be on the defensive side of the ball. And, and I primarily mean pass rushers and defensive linemen. You were talking about Ndamukong Su, and, and he's older, and he's either going to come back this year or he's not, and he's g- probably going to be gone next year no matter what, even if he does come back. Um, looking at JPP, he's not on contract after next year. Uh, I mean, they got Shaq Barrett locked up long term, so that's good. Um, but outside of outside of him, really, that's pretty much – he and Vita Vea, and that's pretty much it. I mean, Golston's contract is up too. Yep. And and so they they just they need depth for this upcoming season. I know they just um, re-signed Nacho, so that's that's a little bit of good depth there. Oh, that's huge! But outside of that, who else do they got? I mean, they they really need to start building up that that defensive line and get some pass rushers in there. They, they
0: um, do have Jeremiah Ledbetter, so they did re-sign Jeremiah Ledbetter. Uh, but yeah, they're risking to lose the linebacker, almost the entire depth of the linebacker core.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I've said this before. I I, I played linebacker, so I'm naturally uh, gravitate to that position. That's what I played in high school. Um, Could have played college if it wasn't for that pesky injury. But Zach Sitchi, <laughs> he's gone. He's going to be going away, it looks like. Uh, it looks like Deion Buchanan's probably leaving. Uh, it does look like Kevin Minter is coming back. So Kevin Minter will be coming back. I did that's learn huge. about that from Rhett Matthew, I believe. He mentioned that it does look like Kevin Minter is going to be signing with the Buccaneers, so that's pretty big. But yeah, dude, that linebacker core looks like it's going to be pretty beat up. And the defensive line, Zach Blobner also said it just a little bit ago that he said that that is the area you have to focus on. My my horse, who I think they need to pick up at 32, and I want to know yours too, but who I think they're going to pick up to is Levi Anzu Ricky, I can't even say it. Andrew Ricky, defensive lineman from Washington. I was watching a little bit of tape on him. He's fast. He's furious. He's big. He's tall. I think he's like six four, six six, something like that. Six and three, he, six three. Thank you. Okay. Well, I was closer with the six four. All right. <laughs> uh, he's a he's a big dude. He's a fast dude. I really like him in that position. I think he can compliment Vita Vea more than anything. That's why I just don't care. Not, not that I don't care. I do care if Sue were to return, if we weren't able to get those options, but I guess the thing is you're taking a gamble, right? You're hoping that someone before is not going to pick up on Zerky, but Mm -hmm. I think he is going to be definitely the option. Who are you picking up at 32?
3: Yeah, no, I like that pick. Um, I do. I did watch a little bit of film on him as well. You know, he's a great run defender. I think he does need a little bit more in the, in the pass rushing game. I hope he makes it to there. Um, But it, if I'm looking at guys at 32 that might potentially be there, because it's it's obviously tough with this draft class. I mean, it's not a very deep defensive tackle draft, and mm-hmm. there there probably be guys going higher than they than they normally would. Um, I'm a huge fan of Christian Barmore out of Alabama. This guy is 6'5", 290 pounds, and if he slides all the way down to 32, which you know I've seen on a, on a couple mocks. Um, then I think the Bucks would be would be snagging a steal there. This guy is absolutely huge. He has ten sacks over the past two years and, and eight last year in only eleven games. He's so explosive when he's when he's one on one trying to get through, okay. you know, a guard or something like that. Um, and you know his bull rush is fantastic, and I think he has really good hands to fight off blocks. Um, so that's my like dream pick at thirty two if he's there.
0: CBS actually has him at thirty four. So he it's hey, very he's realistic that if if that fight, if that were to fall in, right? So CBS Sports has him at thirty four, uh, sophomore defensive lineman. Uh yeah, you're right. Six, five, 310 pounds. That dude's a beast, absolute monster,
3: and he's yeah. he's quick too for his Yeah, time. but is
0: that another Nadam? Naga- I can't even say it. Nadamikin Kinsu. I, I
3: think, mean, I- so Nadama Kinsu was was a great pass rusher in college and and you know that translated in the first few years in the NFL and then as he's gotten older it sort of dropped off. I think Christian Barmore is has that he can come in and he can be a pass rusher day one. He has some things to polish up, but he can come in and be a pass rusher at the defensive line position on the interior.
0: Do you think that the Bucks go after a running back? 32 there's been some talk. We've talked about it on the show. I've heard it mentioned before. Najee Harris which is arguably the number two running back behind uh, Travis Ntn is do do the bucks go after someone like an Harris, if he's available, does he become the best option if he's free at 32?
3: I think so. You know, looking at the way that that Jason light is building this team he's building to win right now. Um, And looking at a guy like, you know, barmore more that's more of like a depth going down the road you know he'll be there a few years later after sue or whoever they bring in leaves and, but like for right now they need absolutely need a pass catching running back while i do think they'll probably address it in free agency you know i saw somewhere that they were showing interest in james white and stuff like that but even if they do pick somebody up in free agency they absolutely absolutely need to get a pass catching running back for tom brady you know that's one of his big things um, and if Najee Harris slides all the way down there, I think it would be absolutely foolish for them not to pick him.
0: I think they have their pass-catching running back actually on the roster already, and that's Keyshawn Vaughn. They have to elevate that dude. I think he's ready.
3: Keyshawn Vaughn, my guy. <laughs> this guy, man. I think I think he's pretty good. You know, I, I think he had a lot of uh, a lot of issues in the pass-catching department last year. He's not as crisp of a route runner as I'd like to see. He's also not, he doesn't have that level of awareness. I remember I was watching tape on the guy. And well,
0: he was a rookie. He, you know. Yeah,
3: that's fair. You know, that is fair. Um, I just want to see someone more polished in that position. I, I hear think you. There's, yeah, hear there's you. also the fumbling issue from him.
0: Uh, one fumble, right? I think there was one clear, think he but he didn't get too, activated very often because you still mm-hmm. had Fournette and McCoy, who just trumped him just based on veteranship alone, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, he didn't get activated very often. I, I agree. He's a rookie, and Arians hates his fumbling running backs uh luckily ronald jones got his second chance after his uh uh, one and a half fumbles on there right he he did recover his own fumble on the Mm -hmm. one but he did get a chance after that that second time that second game that he did fumble and they he did not get pulled so i hear you i hear you but Keyshawn vaughn he is a rookie he's going into a second year he could be a little bit more polished, given that he will have a full, full offseason. A rookie with no offseason at all is tough in a skilled position. Offensive line, somebody that obviously is kind of rote, you know, in that fashion, like mm-hmm. Tristan Wurfs, you know how to do offensive line. You know how to do offensive line, whether that's in the pros or college. It's pretty much the same. But when it comes to someone like in the running back or the wide receiver position, there's a lot of lingo and there's a lot of different things that you have to get used to. And and maybe Keyshawn just wasn't picking that up. Mm-hmm. I, that's just my own opinion. I think Vaughn could be the pass catching running back that they need, but I think that Rojo should definitely be the bell cow in the backfield, moving forward 2021. And like you said, you know, does it really matter if he proceeds past 2021? Probably not, but having a complimentary piece uh, back there for him to be able to run. Hopefully gets a thousand yards this season. Uh, I think Rojo should be the one toting it more, but mm-hmm. having someone back there, Keyshawn Vaughn will be a complimentary piece. Maybe having someone, like you said, a little bit more polished. Maybe I do like the James White. I just think that he's going into his last couple of years. And as a solid running back, that he's going to look to break the bank a little bit. He's going to be like, listen, this is the last time I'm actually going to be able to get starting pay in the NFL, probably on a two to three year deal. I might want to get a few mil, you know, I'm just saying, and I don't think that the bucks are going to be able to pay for that.
3: Oh yeah. Especially after we saw that Kenyon Drake contract today, what was that? Like two years, 11 mil guaranteed or something like that. Absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. (laughs) Kind of changed the
0: market there a little bit for running
3: backs in this free agency period.
0: All right. That'll wrap it up for a 2021 season kickoff. I want to thank all of our special guests, Rhett, Matthew, Zach Blobner, and Chris Shonehair, thanks a lot for jumping on, man. Remind everybody where they can find you, buddy. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Cynical Bucks Fan. And
3: that's pretty much where I'm going to be. And you can find all of my written work at BucksNation.com.
0: You can find me on Twitter at JCBucksNation. And you can also follow the show at Pod. Don't forget to check out all of our written works, as Chris just stated, at BucksNation.com, where all of our writers bring you the latest Buccaneers news, headlines, and storylines. Stay tuned in each week as we continue to bring coverage from all different directions from Bucks coverage, news across the NFL, fantasy football, and from you, Bucks Nation. Submit a question or make a shout out. Send us an email at BucksNationPodcast at gmail.com. Leave us your name and a message, and I'll get it up in the air in an upcoming show. Leave us a review on Apple, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you download and stream the Bucks Nation podcast channel. Until next time, wave your flags high and fire the cannons! See ya! See ya!